your Bible this morning and turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Genesis chapter 1, and then also to the book of Isaiah chapter 45. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, and then we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 45. We want to continue in our study. It's been two weeks now. We've had a wonderful time with missionaries being in our church. It's always good to see their work and to see their vision and their heart as God directs them and leads them for their ministry and their calls. And uh, it is neat to see uh, a new culture, a new people. And yet the need is consistent all across the world. People dying and going to a devil's hell. And we want to do our part to see souls to be saved. And so it's good to have missionaries come to our church. I want to encourage you to be here uh, next Sunday night when we do vote on Brother David and uh, I know the Lord is going to bless His ministry, and uh, so uh, be in your place. But here we are picking up the book of Genesis. We've been talking about the theology of creation, how God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is seen in verse 1, the very, the very first book, the very first chapter, and the very first verse of our Bible confronts us with this great theological question, and that is, do you believe the Word of God? If the answer is no, then we really don't have much of a ground to really conversate and talk on. We can talk and we can listen. and There are people that are atheists and will be nice and kind, and yet at the same time, the reality is if they don't accept the Word, then they will die and go to hell. I'm grateful to know the Bible and the God of the Bible, the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we look at Genesis chapter 1, it speaks volumes of His power and who He is we have thus far talked about three things in Genesis 1.1. The beginning, God creating three things, time, beginning constituting time and the origin of time. And we looked at how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is seen in the attributes of time, time past, present, and future. And uh, we will be looking at heaven and at earth and how we see the Trinity in all three parts uh, of those two um, places, those locations, if you will, those planets. And we're going to be talking about that in the future as well. But this morning, we want to focus our attention on the subject of God. In the beginning, God. We talked about how in John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible speaks about all things being made by Him and for Him and through Him for His glory and His honor. And the Bible speaks in verse 14 that the Word became flesh, and we know the Word being Christ. And so we have talked about God, Elohim, the Supreme One. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 and verse 4, that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And we want to continue looking at God. This morning we are going to examine some of the attributes of God and how they connect with verse 1. And we're going to talk about these attributes that God possesses. Not only how these attributes fall into a number of different categories, but how you see them most definitely in uh, the creation of all things. Um, Again, the Hebrew word for create, it is basah. It means to bring into existence from nothing. A difference between creating versus making. And God did make things, but He made things out of things that He created. 
and we'll see some of the differences there as well in the future. But the Bible says in verse 1, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Turn with me now to the book of Isaiah chapter 45, and we'll look in verse number 18. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Himself that formed the earth and made it, He hath established it. He created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. If you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible, I would encourage you that last statement Verse number 18, to underline, I am the Lord and there is none else. When we look at all scientific, whether it be theory or ideas or philosophies that stand outside of the perimeters and the boundaries, the guideline of God's Word, the Bible makes it very clear, I am the Lord and there is none else. We've been talking about the theology of creation because you cannot have creation without God. In other words, God is the Creator. There's none other in this world, in this universe, or even outside of the universe that has created. God is the only one. We've made, but we've made things from that which He created. He says, I am the Lord and there is none else. When you think about creation, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There are three things that we want to kind of by introduction relate to you. You know these things, but the description of God creating heaven and earth is understood to be in three categories. Number one, recent. A thousand years, thousand years, not millions of years. Number two, out of nothing, God created. And then number three, special. Special in the sense of six consecutive 24-hour periods of time called days. The Father, He continues to distinguish this by the creation account by saying the Hebrew day or the Jewish day, the evening and the morning, the first day, the evening and the morning, the second day, the evening and the morning, the third day. Look with me in the book of Job. And here is really where we begin to contemplate and think and meditate upon some of the deep things concerning creation. In fact, Job chapter 38 is so deep. And we're going to use this passage to give definition to other parts of creation that really cannot be overlooked. If you overlook some of the things going on here in Job chapter 38, you're going to come to a different understanding of Genesis chapter 1, specifically Genesis chapter 1 and uh, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, look with me in Job chapter 38. And really all 41 verses speak in this question of who are we compared to God? And he uses his creation to speak volumes of his magnitude, his size, his ability, his attributes. And today, again, we're looking at the attributes of God as they are examined with creation. The Bible says in verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job, Out of the whirlwind. Can you imagine that? I believe that was a physical whirlwind. And the Bible says that out of this whirlwind... 
was the voice of God. Can God not speak out of a world when He spoke out of a burning bush? Did He not? He's God, rightfully so. And the Bible says that He answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, Job, you're, you're talking about things that you really know nothing, if anything, very little, is your knowledge about all of creation. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Meaning that the earth has a foundation. Declare if thou hast understanding. Do you know how God created all of these things? It is amazing these scientists that want to take science and give definition to how God brought all of these things into existence. And he just asked this very simple question. Were you there? No. He says in verse 5, Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? In other words, come forth, Job. Do you have an answer? It's amazing how God continually throughout humanity, He puts us in our place. You don't know as much as you know. You don't know as much as you think you know. Really, I think some of the discoveries you can see in the 21st century over the last 100, 150 years uh, in humanity, things have evolved in a sense of knowing and knowledge and, and science. And we thank God for the ability to understand and to, to see and reason and to make things and cre- uh, you know, to, 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 to make things. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to have that ability. And yet at the same time, we've only begun to scratch the surface of knowing uh, what God knows. He says in verse 6, Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Verse 7, When the morning stars sang together, the angels. Do you know that the Bible speaks here in the book of Job that the angels, when God spoke the world into existence, when, when God created the world, they were there. Now we're going to get into this contemplating question here. You have in the Garden of Eden, uh, utopia sinless, and you have this serpent that comes to Eve and it beguiles Eve, hath God not said. So the question is, when was Lucifer created? Lucifer was an angel. We'll get into some of those things uh, later on in our study. But the Bible says, when God created uh, the earth, the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it breaketh forth as it had issues out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and the thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, and break it up for for decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy, thy, thy proud waves be stalled. Hast thou commanded the morning since the days, and caused the day springs to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? He continues through these 41 verses to confront Job with his ignorance and his lack of understanding because Job was not there. Do you know Job is probably the oldest book known to humanity? 
And here is this question that God confronts Job with. You don't know as much as you think you really know. You, you, you weren't there. You weren't there. If you were there, speak volumes. Talk to me. Allow uh, this time to, to bring declaration to the things that I've done. Look in the book of Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90. Verse number 2. The Bible says in verse number 1, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Psalms 90 and verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hadst formed the earth and the, the world, from even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. I want you to underline that phrase, Thou art God. Very similar as we looked in the book of Isaiah chapter 45. There is none like God. There is none else but God. Thou art God. No one was there. Job wasn't there. No one has the understanding except for God. And you cannot have creation without theology. God is the center. Genesis is the only logical and only scientific record and only historical evidence. It is the only subs uh, 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 tangible thing that we can hold on to to give understanding to where all things came into existence from, how it came in to be. And it came in to be through God. God said, and it happened. God said, and it happened. God said, and it happened. Look with me back in Genesis. Notice that continual train of thought. Look in Genesis chapter 1 down in verse number 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. Look in verse 6. And God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. Look in verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Look in verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for sign and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Look continually, uh, verse 20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life, and the fowl that may fly upon the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great wells, and every living creature that moveth with the waters, uh, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man. How did God do these things? God said it, and it happened. God said it, and it happened. And we thank God for this account that we have in Genesis. I declare to you that Genesis, the, the creation account, is not so much about the creation as it is about the Creator. And what God is trying to do, uh, not only historically, but also for us today, is to show how powerful He is. How able He is. And there are 
man, 40 or 50 different attributes that I have here, and I'm not going to share them all with you for sake of time, but maybe we'll cover 8 or 9 or 10 of them this morning, and we'll discuss some of these things as they are connected specifically with creation, as well as other entities as well. Number one, the first thing that I want to encourage you to think with me about is uh, one of the attributes of God is that He is a creator. This is His nature. He is a creator. Again, Genesis 1.1. Look with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And you can see this theme over and over and over and over and over and over and over throughout the Bible. Just a continual spirit that He is by nature one that creates. He said be fruitful and multiply. He not only creates, but He wants us to have that procreation. He enjoys when uh, there is the exercising of craft and being able to perform and having a purpose in life, a job and a task. And even as they were without sin, yet in the garden, they were to dress the garden and to keep the garden a purpose, a meaning, a definition. God is a Creator. He says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. God created you and God created me. He is a Creator. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil day come not, nor the years draw not, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. He goes on down in verse, uh, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. He begins to talk about the old aged individual and how the eyes begin to lose their sight and the teeth, the molars begin to fail. And and he says this important ingredient to a successful life, and that is while you're young, remember the Lord in your decisions. While you're young, remember the Lord in what we do. Remember the Lord and how we live our life. When we have the time, put Him first. While we have the opportunity physically to do something for Him, do it because the evil day is coming. The back's going to grow weary. The gray hairs are going to be seen. Sometimes the desire to do will not be there. So remember thy Creator. Amen? He's a Creator God. First attribute. Remember that now thy Creator. While the evil days come not. Number two, I would say that He is a supreme. The supremacy. He is a, a supreme God. The word supreme, it means a state of being. The highest station of power. The highest in authority. No one could create other than God. Because God Himself possesses this attribute of being supreme. You know, man is not the top of the food chain. God is. And God can take your life from you. God can give you life or sustain life. And we know that God is supreme. Look with me uh, in First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 29. And look down in verse 11 and verse 12. He is supreme. And it's not the kind of supreme that you get at Taco Bell, okay? He is powerful. Is there anyone like God, Job? Please, have the floor. Take the stage. Tell us how these things came to be. He says in verse 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is Thine. 
What does that mean? I own my house, but really God owns my house. I own my car, but God really owns my car. I own my children, but I should be raising my children for God because God owns my children. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. I own my life. No, you don't own your life. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. We uh, are reminded this morning that everything in this world, God owns. You know, you go over to those uh, profound books like Ecclesiastes and Solomon, he's an older man and he's went through life and he begins to understand that, really understand it. I think there's some age uh, and there's some wisdom and, and there's some uh, um, things that he's went through. No doubt the relationship with God. Sometimes when you're young, you don't see these things. You're going to take the world by the tail. And yet the older you get and the closer you walk with the Lord, you realize that, hey, God owns the world. And if God allows it, then blessed be the name of the Lord. And if God gives it, then blessed be the name of the Lord. He says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is Thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of Thee, and Thou reignest over all, and in Thine hand is power and might, and in Thine hand it is it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. He is the Supreme One. Is there anyone like in Job? Could anyone create without God and His creative plan and His power to do? Would we be here? Would we exist? Would anything be in this world? Would this world be? No. Can you imagine how the atoms, the neutrons and all of the different particles and things came together? And just right before the eyes of God, as matter just formed out of nothing, and there it came into being. Such a beautiful sight to see the power of God. Number three, the wisdom of God. Wisdom is the ability to devise perfect ends, to achieve less ends by the most perfect means. God is wise. Could you create a greater sparrow than God? Could you and I somehow fabricate in a scientific lab a greater sheep or a lamb than God? Could we take and somehow perfect a rose more perfect than God could perfect? No, He is full of wisdom and His creation testifies of how wise He is. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only, say it with me, wise God. The only wise God. In the beginning God created. And how did He do it? Job, through His wisdom. His infinite wisdom. Could you unlock the door of God's wisdom? Could we contain it in our small peon mind? 
could we begin to uh, dance around in the corridor and, and the dance halls of God's deep wealth of understanding? Could we? Absolutely not. I think one of the faults of having a perfect body uh, made in the image of Christ is, is probably to be able to obtain some of that concept of His knowledge and, 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 and His ability. But He is a wise God. Fourth of all, He is an infinite God, knowing no boundaries. He is without measures, without limits. If you think about an artist, a painter, a painter might take his canvas and his tripod and set upon the on the on the seashore and as the sailboats come in paint beautiful pictures of what he sees he didn't create he made but it is god who is able to create it all from nothing god doesn't have to look at something that's already been printed to have an idea we are limited in what we know and what we see. God knows no boundaries. He's infinite. And so when He wanted to create humanity, He knew exactly the perfect man and the perfect woman. He knew exactly how the reproduction system would be and how it would work. God knew all of the specifics of the eye and how to compose it all together and it would just exactly show forth and give understanding to the mind of that person. This is God. And yet within our understanding, is it not true as Solomon says, every, there's nothing new under the sun? You go to a house in England, you go to a house in America, you go to a house in China, and there's four walls. There's a floor, there's a roof. There's nothing new under the sun. We kind of take and imitate what's already been done, what's already created. We recreate or we remake something that's already been made. But it's all—it's just a, a continual cycle. Uh, uh, there's nothing new there. Because why? We have these limitations. There's no new notes on the piano. Why is it that when, when uh, people sing, they usually sing in a rhyme? You know, these songs, just a continual, maybe a different light or a different angle, but it's still a love song. But with God, all things are new. The Bible says, look in Luke chapter 1. And I'm grateful for this. Can you imagine uh, how God instilled into Adam the intelligence and the brilliance and the mind that he might be able to name with scientific names each and every one of the animals that God had created? That's amazing. But when you think about all of the different animals that are out there, the species and kinds, after each kind made he male and female... And we're going to get to some thoughts there about uh, family in the book of Genesis and, and how that's under attack in our society today as well. But even nature itself testifies of His plan, male and female. And as you look at, at, at all of these different animals, how beautiful the blues and the reds and the golds and how uh, the speed and the accuracy... You know, I was, I was listening to some videos this week about the German short-haired pointer. And as um, a kennel or a breeder would breed that specific line of dog, there are certain qualities and attributes of that dog that are more comely or more attractive 
or more specific to that breed they're sought after. And with that, there's more money involved, right? They begin to talk about the, the length of the snout, how it should be the same length as the head is and the roundness of the head, and if the ears hang down lower than its jawline, then it's not as attractive. And that certain, maybe for a house pet is okay, but for that breed and, and, and the beauty of that breed, then it should not continually be bred to bring forth offspring. And when you think about, in the beginning, God creating all of this, it is, it is mind-boggling. It is beautiful. And He is infinite. Luke chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 37, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Have you ever seen an angel? I haven't. I'm not talking about the ones on the Walmart shelf or the one you hang on your tree. But when you start looking at how Lucifer was made and created with all of these beautiful gems and as he stood above the throne of God and the Bible speaks about the, 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 in the book of Revelation, the, the crystal, uh, uh, see there and, 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 and the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is radiant beaming light. And as the light of God from that throne shined upon, uh, who Lucifer was and these beautiful stones, it began to bounce around all of these elaborate, beautiful colors. I can't imagine what a seraphim looks like. What about the 20 and 4, uh, excuse me, the 4 beast? I can't imagine what the 4 beast would look like. There are uh, attributes that are shown in Scripture, but to have an understanding and to see all of this, and then, if you will, to create it. As the Bible says, the half has not yet been told. Our imagination can only go so far. And I know there are things that the Bible speaks volumes of to heaven and to eternity, and yet the reality is it is unfathomable. And it is amazing the concept of thinking throughout all eternity to be with a holy Creator God. It is truly amazing. With God there is nothing impossible. I would say number five, we see His sovereignty. This is the attribute by which He rules His entire creation. Do you know that, as the Bible says, with the stars and in the, the heavens, uh, God put these lights, as He says, for, for, for seasons? What happened with the fall season? A little bit early this year here in Michigan, but the ducks flew south. Did you have to get on your radio? Did you have to go on the web? Did you have to say, hey, all the ducks in Michigan, we're going to uh, meet over here at 12 o'clock this Friday, and I just need to go over a few things and remind you guys that you need to take your trip down south? Did anyone have to do that? No, because God put it in their nature. He not only created them, but He gave them a nature and a way of living that was so intricate with all other aspects of creation. And it speaks of His sovereignty. We know Romans 8.28 and, and we know that all things work together. And I know I'm not trying to take that verse out of its context, but can I say even in creation, all things work together for the good. Is it amazing that we, we need Bees to pollinate? Is that something that God designed and created? 
I may not like this insect, but God created this insect and that insect is for a reason. I was listening on the internet this, this week and they were talking about how when um, there's a certain kind of bug uh, in Michigan and other parts uh, of, the, uh, of the country that is it, it, it's swarming, it's growing, and it, it's not a locust, but it's, it's, a, it's a flying little bug. They showed a picture of it. What is it? Not a stink bug. <laughs> <laughs> I know those. I don't like those stink bugs. But as they uh, land upon trees, they, they secrete this certain kind of um, a chemical. And with thousands and thousands of these bugs eating this vegetation and secreting this chemical, it will look like a, like a fog mist. And the one lady said, as she's a biologist, she said, we can't introduce... Uh, into this area, the praying mantis was its um, enemy. Yeah, we can't introduce thousands of praying mantises because it could it could change some other aspect course of creation uh, with this animal or that animal. You know, God knows what He's doing in all of that, and it's truly amazing that we see His sovereignty in creation. I'll give you number six, and we'll close. His holiness. His holiness. This is the attribute that sets God apart from all created beings. It refers to His majesty, His perfection, His purity. There's absolutely no sin or evil thought in God at all. As the Bible says, this is good, this is good. He created this and it was good. He created this and it was good. Anything coming forth from God is good. We see His holiness in creation. Look with me in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. You know, when we think about uh, creation, a lot of times we just think about the actual entities that He made. But there's more to creation than just that. And most definitely when the atheist or the, the, the scientist that wants to um, do away with the Word of God, they're not just affecting the course of creation or how the history of creation or the events of creation, but they're dealing, in fact, with who God is. They're attacking God Himself. Exodus chapter 3, and the Bible says in verse number 5, And He said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Pastor, why was the ground holy? Because of the one who was there. You know what God has done in creation? He has set all of these things apart so it would be a reminder of who He is. Who He is. Who He is. The only thing that God did not make is sin. And the origin of sin came from Lucifer himself. And what do we see in Lucifer? We see pride. I will be like the Most High God. I will erect my throne above the throne of God, is what he said. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. But with God, what we see is holiness. He couldn't create sin because there was no sin within him. He couldn't create sin because it is against His nature. 
But that which he creates, that which he, which he does is truly, it is, it is a picture of his holiness that he is different than anyone or anything that has ever been or ever will be. Our Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. God, we want to magnify you. We want to exalt your word. And Lord, as we think about creation, it is beautiful. It is exciting. Lord, even as the Bible speaks volumes about snow and the beauty of snow and the makeup of snow and and the brilliance of snow, even as we look into that season of life, you have a purpose. You have a plan for it. There's a beauty in all of these things. God, you've entrusted us as mankind. Lord, I enjoy taking an element of pride in my yard. And Lord, the flowers and, and, and the work that you've given to us to do. Lord, these things, even as a father to have children to procreate, it is a testament of the Creator God. Lord, as we are made in your image, we have the ability to reason, to make choices. And Lord, to think. And Lord, this morning we want to exalt you, we want to love you, and Lord, we want to praise you. Thank you for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Everyone.